What's up, everybody? Today we're talking the death of 15-year-old Jordan Edwards, and Hillary Clinton reveals why she did not win the presidential election. All that and more on Black Hollywood Lives this week. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live this week. Can you hear me? And I try not to hate the meek who turn a blind eye to the lives lost at the cost of white supremacy pride. That perversion of hate, these American disgraces. The other day, I saw my five and my eight-year-olds trying to scrub the brown off their faces. The hate crimes, the symbols, the bullying that they're facing. Go back to your country. We hate you niggers, spick faces. They put blackface on children. They painted as thugs. They're still building more prisons for profit. His pencil writes poetry that sounds like his dead brother screams. My eyes open wide, I'm blind, you can't see me. I open my mouth and I scream, you can't hear me. Fight for justice, can't trust this, my heart is Hey, welcome to Black Hollywood Lives this hey. week. I am your host, Daryl Kristen. Joining me today is Courtney Stewart. What's up, everybody? DJ Jesse J. What's up? And our very special guest is actor, producer, director David Bianchi in the house. Hey, guys. And you were just Woo. witnessing his new film, its new project, You Can't Hear Me, which is unbelievable, man. I mean, I was so motivated and, and just oh, empowered when I saw it. And you guys saw a clip of that and actually released... Was it yesterday? Yeah, released yesterday. Yeah, released yesterday. Um, uh, it was distributed by the Huffington Post and, and the Black Voices Division of the Huffington Post. Really grateful for that opportunity. And um, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a new art form that I've dubbed spinema, spinning cinema through spoken word. A lot of people in my families know that I'm a poet, and so I meld both of my you know most endeared art forms, which is true cinematic experience and spoken word. So I'm creating experimental narratives, basically films that are told entirely in poetry. So this particular one called You Can't Hear Me is uh, starring me, uh, Mr. Malcolm Jamal Warner, who is like, you know, y'all know Malcolm Jamal, um, and a talented poet named Chris Wood, directed by a great guy named uh, Chris Falkins. And uh, it just released yesterday, and it's, uh, you know, it's gaining a lot of steam on the internet. And it's it's a social political outcry uh, against the state of America in the looming Trump administration. We need it right now, that's for sure. Yeah. Especially with some of the topics we were talking about today. <laughs> yes, it goes yeah, right in conjunction with those. Sure. Now, how long did it take you to film that? Um, we shot now. Just so you guys know, I mean, the film itself is about five minutes and thirty seconds, all in for front end credits, about five minutes and thirty seconds. But we shot it all in six hours. Wow! Um, but it was a lot of pre-production. Basically, you know, when 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 Trump took office, I, I, I got I got infuriated, and I was an activist. I used to march in the streets, and so and so on and so forth. And I, you know, directed political documentaries. But I said to myself, I'm like, okay, I have these tools at my fingertips, right? And you know what they say: take your broken heart and turn it into art. Mm -hmm. And I have the platform to reach people and continue to motivate and inspire a base. Yeah. So I sat down with the director who I've worked with before. We sat over some food, and I was like, we we have to do something. I can't not act because I can't sleep at night if I don't act. Right. At which point we said, okay, cool. So I basically wrote the hook. My eyes open wide. I feel blind. You can't see me. I open my mouth and I scream. You can't hear me. Fight for justice. Can't trust this. My heart. I stand bleeding. You cut out my tongue and I swear you can't hear me. Mm -hmm. So I wrote that hook and I recorded the MP3 and I said to the director and then I was like, I got to call Malcolm. Because me and Malcolm were trying to work together for I mean, for I remember years. a year ago yeah, no, when we were at that. that brunch and you were talking to Malcolm. You were saying that you guys exactly, were on the project. Yeah. I'm like, man, it's time goes by so quick. Exactly. And it was, we were together when we were talking to Malcolm. And, and, and Malcolm is, you know, he's a Grammy Award winning poet you know, for the work that he's done. Yeah. And so I, I sent that to Malcolm and he was just like, he's like, yeah, let's run it. Let's do it. And so we sort of planned this whole thing, you know, via emails and phone calls and Skypes. And everybody wrote their own verse. And then uh, in conjunction with the hook, and we got together, and then we really like meticulously ironed out the language because we wanted to make sure that the things we were saying, we weren't overlapping topics. Right. We were covering as much as we possibly could um, while still maintaining our own distinctive poetic voices. And what's probably one of the most important things you want people to take away from it when they watch it? Um, I, I, I want this piece to, um, to, one, continue to motivate our base. Right to remind us to no to to not get complacent, two to inspire yourself to do something about your own community, not necessarily at the federal level, mm -hmm. but do something about what you can do in your own community, um, and hopefully paint a picture of certain people's reality for people that don't understand that reality. 
the idea of catching my five or my eight-year-old trying to scrub the brown off their face because they're embarrassed because of how they're being spoken to at school, that's reality for a lot of young Americans and a lot of young parents. However, there are Caucasian people that don't understand that reality. That's true. That don't understand that kind of pain. And so I want to be able to paint a picture and illustrate to people that, yes, there are people in very significant emotional and psychological pain because of the tension and the fear and the, and, and, and the racist nature uh, and, 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 and the hate that's been injected into our, into our community. Well, I think it's a well-done project. Um, I mean, congratulations so to you once again, because whenever you bring something to <laughs> us, you always... You put it down, you know what I mean? Thanks, it's like man. always a great project, and people should definitely go out and support this, especially in the time that we're in right now. It's super important. And once again, everybody can find it on Huffington Post. Yeah, if you go, and if you just go online, then you can uh, do, a, do a search on YouTube for You Can't Hear Me, uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner, or You Can't Hear Me, David Bianchi, it'll come up. Uh, it's on Huffington Post Black Voices. Um, if you go on the Huffington Post Black Voices uh, Facebook page, I think uh, since yesterday we're probably close to 100,000 views in, in a matter of a 24-hour cycle, so... It's gaining steam. People are sharing it, yeah. and it's and, and it's instigating a lot of discussion. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had dinner with with my with my girlfriend last night, and just and just reading all the comments on how I, people I were responding to it. To it. Some yeah. of it was a lot of bigotry going on in there. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but you yeah. know, I'm sure. But the fact that conversation is being instigated yeah. is is that's you know the seed of consciousness is being planted, and and for me the oh, a biggest proponent is look. My nephew is 17 years old, and he called me yesterday, and he said, "Unk." I saw your video and it blew me away. Mm. And that's also what I want to do is that I want to remind our youth that we're not trying to insult your intelligence. You guys are smart enough to absorb this content. Mm-hmm. Let's give you more to be inspired by than champagne, bottles, and models. Right. <laughs> you know I, yeah, I was, the funny thing is I was like, you know, definitely share this. I mean, we, we, we always, we're, we all do it, but we share photos and we do all this stuff from all this nonsense, but we need to share these type of things more importantly well. to yeah. th- the messages because that's, that's what we need right now. So thank you guys for for, yeah. for showcasing that. It's great. It's great. Right, thank we're you excited. for doing thank it. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Leads us right into some great topics today. Mm-hmm. Or well, leads some, us definitely some, into some the first some topics. Uh, not so great. <laughs> not all, all great. Of them. I mean, that's all part topics. You know, we got, we got a little good news out of this story. Um, so obviously, we've heard about uh, the shooting of Jordan Edwards and the death of him, um, 15 year old from Box Springs, Texas. Um, Leaving a party, um, so the first report, obviously, that it came out was that the car was being uh, dr- aggressively yeah. driving, and that's why the officer had pulled the gun out. Well, so um, now they're coming out because footage has been released and basically said, well, it shows that the car was just reversing. It wasn't being aggressive or whatnot, and the, the officer had no real point to pull out his gun, mm-hmm. uh, his rifle. Um, so Officer Roy Oliver was just uh, released and fired, He and I guess he has 14 days to attest it or appeal it. So we'll see if he does do something like that. But, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that the the department came out and, you know, made this this move so quickly yeah. um, and the family uh, put a statement out basically asking you know please no violence towards anybody at the department and then also please respect us and just kind of let us chill and refocus right now but they're very thankful for all the love that they've been getting so well what I appreciate about the story actually is the fact that the police chief he came out and had he had the balls. I'll say had the balls yeah. to come out and say what the version of the truth really was with this story because there are different different things that were said between the police officer and the, the witnesses and the people involved. And the police chief came out and said, "No, you know this." He rebuttaled what was said by the officer and said, "Listen, this is the truth." And now we're finding out the history of the police officer having anger management issues and and things like that. So. You know, I just I have to give it to the police chief for actually coming out and, and, and saying what he said in the press conference. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't help. You know, we still have a, a loss of a life. But, uh, you know, in these situations, at least it's not what we've seen before. It's not like, yeah, some of the no. others where people get away with murder, literally. Yeah, literally. And, and kudos to the family for, yeah. you know, for taking that position yeah. publicly. I don't think I could have, honestly. To, yeah, I <laughs> Not mean, this quickly. And no. so quick, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. one can only imagine the amount of pain that they're yeah. suffering, but to really ask you know, the upset communities across the country to take responsibility and just say, look, let's get through this as opposed to making it worse. Because no. yeah. historically, we've proven that we know how to make it worse. Right. Yeah. So good for them. 
Um, on another note, someone who's trying to make things maybe a little better is Beyonce because she is releasing the How to Make Lemonade um, box <laughs> uh, album. And so basically this thing costs $300, though. So she's releasing this as a... Cl- I knew Courtney was going to just... <laughs> so I just see all over smile over there. <laughs> you, you might not... Go on. <laughs> it might not be for what you think it is. Okay, I think this is psycho. Like, first of all, $300, Beyonce. So basically what you're getting with this is a 600-page coffee book of behind-the-scenes, some audio and visual downloads. You're going to basically get the album uh, as four different CDs. It'll be side A, side B with the same songs. Um, you'll get some poetry uh, from Warson Shire, and then the forward is uh, by the author of Making Malcolm, Eric Dyson. Um, so yeah, I guess it's really heavy and, you know, $300 and people are Twitter's joking around talking about Beyonce's uh, state coming out trying to take everyone's tax returns. Because, <laughs> oh, right, wow. this is when the and concert came. exactly what I thought as soon as, and I was like, That's can hilarious. I really come for you for being a marketing genius? I mean, because if, listen, she knows it's tax time, it. people getting their checks back, and it's <laughs> the anniversary of the lemonade, and, you know, just last week we announced she was doing the scholarship program right. so can I really be mad because she is giving back but then I'm like girl you gonna charge these kids who are obsessed with you gonna spend their little $300 you know to box to. to get the same old stuff but it's a beautiful coffee table book from what I mean, I've seen in the really clips cute, like it's man. a very beautiful as book. it should be for $300 I mean, right. okay. I mean hey, 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 but you know what about better, learning better from this book for $300 for $300 better, you can like, take a class for $300 exactly <laughs> right well, well you're you know, taking a class but you, you go to Amoeba Music and you see all these great collectibles vinyl collectibles I mean there are people out there that take that really really seriously like, I remember the Madonna sex book. I just aged myself. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. But that, that was, was not a cheap book at the that time. Was, but yeah. it was a. But it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book. book. It's a beautiful yeah. text. And there are you know ubiquitous things that you could only get there. Now it's three hundred bucks. Don't come easy for most folks. That's right. true. But you know, obviously, it's geared towards a certain yeah. uh, collar of people. Yeah. But right? don't worry, <laughs> she is releasing the album on its own, so you guys can get that at I'm sure at Target or wherever anything sold for nine ninety nine. What if you just put a lemonade in my hand? You know yes. what I'm saying? I can go pick some. You can you can wiki you can wiki how to make your own lemonade. <laughs> right. Clearly. But you can't make Beyonce's lemonade. No, you no, cannot. You, cannot. Uh, you, you know, need the three hundred dollar book for that. Right. <laughs> Are you gonna get it, Courtney? And a couple of ex members no, no, and toss them. She's no, a hell no. No, no. I, I do not consider myself. I love Beyonce. Don't get me wrong. We went to the show. It was great. Like, I love Beyonce. But you will not almost ever catch me being that much of a fan about anything. Just I just mm. feel like there's better ways to spend money. But I don't fault anybody that does. If you get that money. You know, if you, if you it, have it and that's what you want to spend it on, girl, do it. <laughs> or if you don't have it and that's what you want to spend it on. If you don't have it and that's what you want to spend it on, please rethink your situation. We know who I you just, voted for. I just felt <laughs> discriminated against. She said, girl, go do it. You know, you know. let me put my, my little Beyonce shoes on. <laughs> I just really felt discriminated against. We're going to walk in David's house. He's going to have the he Beyonce box. He got the book. He pre-ordered it, honey. You can only get it pre-ordered. So. I mean, I definitely want to see it in, in, in real life. I would like to see you know. it, yeah, because I think the imagery in the in Lemonade We'll go to David's house and, and look at it because yeah. we'll have this coffee table. We'll, we'll have a visit. Now, now you're, we're expecting. And right, we expect now we some lemonade results. too. Yes. Right. Some lemonade and some sweet tea. Exactly. <laughs> all right. I can't. All well, that's right. all I got for y'all. That's all. Although maybe you don't want to make some lemonade and maybe you're hungry instead. So you guys should also check out Blue Apron. I know we guys talk to you guys about them every week, but they're a subscription service. Uh, basically, if you're living at home and you, you know you want to spice some things up, literally, yes. um, you guys can order Blue Apron. They'll deliver food to your house, prepackaged with directions on how to cook everything. Beautiful recipe. And I mean, like honestly, like under an hour yes. time uh, to make. Really intricate, like I mean, it's like Rachel Ray. Yeah, is coming in your house. I had some. They gave. I'm telling y'all, I've been eating collard greens since I was born. Okay, they had me making collard greens in a way I would have been like, oh no. And they were good. And they were delicious. And and I had some seared Cajun catfish. Did did, did you see that? They were delicious. She she threw the hair back on that after the Beyonce conversation. Right, she did. I had the uh, the. Cauliflower casserole, and it was really good. Um, I I mean, I've had several things. There were some pasta dishes, and there was like a like a chicken breast recipe. You do seafood, right? I don't don't eat seafood. seafood. Oh, did you have the coconut shrimp one? I did. That was. I don't really do coconut, so me and coconut shrimp wouldn't work. But I had a delicious burger. 
and some spicy rice and something. And, and I, I love how the third one was. packaged it comes. Yeah, like, yeah it's such say, cute it's, packaging. It like, yes. and how it keeps it cold and fresh. Like, yeah. it's crazy. well, and they label everything. Wow. You know, I always say it's like cooking for dummies when it yep. comes it to meat. You know what I mean? So, so I'm not like, calling y'all dummies. I'm calling myself dummies. You pay like a certain amount a month. But here's the best part. So if you go on now to blueapron.com backslash week, you guys are gonna get three of your first meals for free. Free sh- uh, shipping, all delivered to your house, and you guys get and to pick the food. Big box with yeah. ice. Mm-hmm. You get to pick the food, all that, whatever you like, whatever. Uh, if you're allergic to something, you can put that in there. Just wow. go to blueapron.com backslash week. That's a special for y'all, so make sure you take Check advantage it of it. Boom. 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 Especially if you're going to be buying Beyonce lemonade, you're going to have to save some money up. So there you go. Three <laughs> free meals. Go ahead. Get your three free meals. That's right. All right, Courtney. <laughs> Okay, so we have good news this week. Um, I know. The and yeah, we were waiting. So I don't know how many of you guys know, but Hollywood was facing some potential disaster because the Writers Guild yeah. of America was about to be like, "Deuces, we ain't working. We going on strike as of Tuesday." They've been in negotiation with um, studios for weeks, trying to come to a new deal, and it was not working. The uh, members of the WGA had voted, and they were going to strike as of Tuesday morning. We were concerned that we were going to wake up to picket lines um, first thing Tuesday morning, but negotiators from both sides stayed in the dungeon fighting for what they wanted on each side well past the midnight deadline, even though as of midnight they were supposed to give up on Monday and be like, all right, we're going on strike. But they Mm -hmm. stuck with it. And they were able to come to an agreement. So there will be no strike. The last strike we had was with the writers was back in 2007. And, and it was rough. disastrous. I mean, and it went it, on, I think, for like 18 months. Yeah. And it was it was very difficult. It changed it, a lot of people's lives. Changed uh, the, a the, lot the, of the lives. Strike, the original strike itself was about 100 and something days. Yeah. But yeah. The, 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 the concussion of, of that all was of that about 18 months. Continued. It was and, almost two yeah, years. Yeah. So, and it was Crazy. tough to come back from, what have you. And obviously it affects a lot of people. And in the end, like, we think Hollywood and... You know, everybody's fabulous and doing all this work and making money, but people are working people in Hollywood. Like, yeah. they need to be able to go to work to make the money that they make and to take care of their families. So, it's fantastic that they came to an agreement. They did. Studios did make some serious concessions that the WGA was really sort of pushing for. They were really pushing for increased contributions to the health plans from the studios. Which who knows we might not have right. any as of tomorrow anyway. So whatever. Just make sure you don't have any pre-existing conditions. You're cool. I mean, yeah, make you're sure good. you just don't exist, and then you don't have a pre. Because exactly. apparently, like everything is a pre. But we'll talk about that later. Anyway, um, they also changed um, a big thing was redefining what a short order TV series was to actually increase pay for writers, so that when they're like usually working only a week on a show, but it's if it takes a show two point four weeks or more to produce, they actually get paid more for it, and they actually have job protections now for. Um, um, writers that need to go on family leave to do other things and that their position on that show is protected in a better way. And they felt like they had like room to really negotiate because the studios have been reporting significantly higher profits over the last couple years. And the biggest example they gave is that Les Moonves over at CBS, who's running things, just got a pay increase and he's now making $69.4 million Man. a year. Nice. <laughs> So all the writers working hard and all these actors working hard, like the shows and the wonderfulness is paying off in um, TV and film, and they wanted to see a little bit more of that given back to the writers. So they got some concessions on both sides and came to an agreement. So no strike, guys. Well, I'm glad. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm very happy for Because them. even since 2007, look how many things have developed. Like, you know, Netflix, the way it's mm-hmm. booming now, you know, Hulu and all those things, even though they were there then, but now just the, the level of the programming that's on there, how sure. that would affect everything. You for know? sure. Yeah. Yeah, and for anybody that, that works in Hollywood, I mean, you obviously yeah. know better than most people at this, at this table here, is that, like, the expectation, whether you're, you're an actor or whether you're a writer, cinematographer, director, is that when you're there, you're working. Yeah. yeah. You know, so for people out there that don't understand, like, short-order sort of content, you know, so you're looking at, like, a Netflix series that's, like, six episodes versus a, a, a network show that's, mm-hmm. like, 13 episodes, right? So it'll take a certain amount of time to shoot 13 episodes. But you're talking about six-episode run that are maybe an hour, hour, 20-minute episodes. So these writers are working just as hard as they would on 13 episodes, but they're getting paid for six. six. Mm -hmm. They're also looking for transparency with these new networks because it's different when you're dealing with a network show because the the, the studios provide the content for the cable network. So there's tracking on when things are played and how they're played so that there's a good systematic uh, uh, algorithm in place for for residuals. Yes. 
how do you do that in the Netflix yeah. space, right. in the Hulu space, exactly. in the Amazon space, and hope that there's absolute transparency? Because you can watch the yeah. same show five times in one day, and then your little brother watched it four times the same day, and then you watch it, and then how do... How do we know if I'm getting paid as a writer? Because residuals, as artists, we survive on residuals. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we're getting there, and they're trying to catch up with technology and how things are changing. So nonetheless, I'm just glad there isn't a strike. And this is a shallow part of me, because I did not (laughs) want to go through the summer with reruns of stuff I didn't want to see. Because I'm so glad nowadays that we have, like, new series and good stuff to watch during the summer. Because y'all remember back in the day, like, you would have to watch, like, nothing during the summer. You were watching the stuff you already watched. Yeah, the season finales were all in May, and you were just done until... September there was nothing to watch on TV yeah. but I guess that's when we were young and could play outside and it didn't matter uh, moving on so playing outside <laughs> Ben Carson oh Jesus okay we're gonna talk serious okay, so. talk <clears throat> <clears throat> Such an appropriate picture, too, that you chose, Jesse, I must admit. Oh, oh Ben Carson. Okay, so Ben Carson, who's our HUD secretary, ben. housing and urban development, he's, you know, jumped right into his duties, and he's been touring housing facilities around the country, and he spent quite a bit of time over the last uh, week or so in Ohio, and he's toured various um, low-income facilities, such as, like, veterans housing and different housing projects in Cincinnati and in, uh, I think, Canton or a few different cities. And basically, he was touring all these facilities. And at one of the facilities, he made a quote that in an interview he said, basically, he wants to make sure that we are not, um, that this is a comfortable setting. He, he said about the space that he was looking at, this is a comfortable setting that would make somebody want to stay. And I'll just stay here and they'll take care of me. And he's saying that, like, I don't want that to be the attitude of poor people and people that need help with housing. Like, I don't want it to be so nice and so comfortable that they want to stay there. I want them to, like, want to move on and move out and do other things and pull themselves up basically by their bootstraps. And he also um, was in a, um, a place, it's a housing for like uh, recovering addicts and things like that to sort of get back on their feet. And the director at this housing facility was speaking to Ben Carson and Ben Carson specifically said to him, he asked like, hey, so do you have to be clean to get placement in this housing? And the director was like, no. And that goes against basically what he he got upset. The director got upset because he was saying that that sort of theory that you need to be clean to be able to get into the housing was something that shifted many years ago because they were like getting into the housing is actually what helps people get on their feet so that they can get clean and stay clean and move forward. And he was sort of upset that Ben Carson was sort of taking it back to what it was before and the idea that he would even ask that question was an issue. But then there are other people that felt really excited that he is actually touring and looking like he's actually researching these facilities and like going in to like really see what's going on so that he has a clear understanding of it being that he has not worked right. in this area <laughs> in At any all. capacity whatsoever. There is also conversation and concern because there is a proposed budget cut of 13% to the um, Department of Housing and Urban Development. And so he was sort of asked a few different questions like, well, what does that mean? Because there's like elderly people that get vouchers for certain housing right. so that because they've been priced out of regular housing in their cities. And does that mean the vouchers are going to get cut? Does that thing mean that the Meals on Wheels things are going to be cut? And he was basically, Ben Carson's response to the 13% and the budget cuts and the idea that like Meals on Wheels is unnecessary, he said, that he felt like the White House was just saying that what we're doing isn't working. Not necessarily that we're going to get rid of it, but we're going to get rid of what's not working. So his goal is to focus energy on, you know, helping people get on their feet themselves so that the government is not, you know, responsible for all these people when they can actually take care of themselves. I mean, there's an element to that that I, that I agree with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I mean, obviously I want people to be able to be assisted when they need to be assisted, but it comes to a point where if you are able to work <laughs> once you get to a certain point, that you should be able to work, that you should work, and not just use tax dollars. Yeah, I mean, what, I do, what I'll say is I do like the fact that he is, you know what I mean, putting himself out there, touring, going around, and, and seeing it. I hope that he's also having conversations with people who actually work in this for years and every day and asking them what, you know, how can we make things better versus him just coming into this and being like, I don't want people too comfortable. Um, 
so I, I do appreciate him going out there. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I wish I could like see uh, the video of him talking about this too because it would be a very long video. Because <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> the thing about addiction and things like that is like sometimes putting somebody in a. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how he talks, straight up. I got to go, bro. I got some, <laughs> I got some, I got some things to do tomorrow. Like, my brain Woo! shot off to shut off like five minutes ago. Hey, man, y'all, y'all got some good rock around here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so you wouldn't get no housing if you're talking Oh, about you will not be getting housing Wait, sorry, Justin, you got to finish yes. your point, though. Yes. But, uh, I, mean, I mean, I think addiction, what he said about addiction, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I do think that there is an element where you, you there are people who you put in housing and it is a comfortable place for them and addiction is something hard so it is something that maybe not that if you're clean you get to go into housing but if you're not clean you have to see us you know what I mean you have to be put into a program like you have to be held accountable for certain things and I feel like our government doesn't hold certain people accountable you know it's so easy to go down to these offices and just kind of put a name down and, and walk out with money and things like that like that it's crazy to me. So I think it's just more of a lockdown on, you know, the, the actual program. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I echo your, your position when it comes to addiction, especially when it comes to really hard drugs. Where you're dealing with crystal, you're dealing with crack cocaine, or you're dealing with heroin. Um, you know, the opiate problem in America is is, 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 is worse than it's ever been. Yeah. And the question of whether you need to be clean to get into housing, I think, is really putting the cart ahead of the horse. Um, because when you are perpetually in the throes of that sort of addiction, if you are not brought into some sort of place where you feel safe enough to trust the people around you enough to give up what has been your physiological identity, mm. right? Your drug of choice. You need to feel safe enough to be able to even give that up and, and, and start kicking. Yeah. Because yeah. kicking is no joke, you know, for people that are heroin addicts or crack cocaine addicts. So um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that he did ask that question because he's clearly not informed. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's how he's getting informed. So I'm going to be positive and think positive. But I will say this one thing. And I want to sort of caution the space because as much as I look like, ah, kind of logical that kind of makes sense it's very easy to look at someone that's down on their whatever and has gotten themselves into a difficult situation and be like well you can handle that you can fix that you can get it and we're quick to cut 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 without i think cut is not always the way i think restructuring and re-understanding what we're trying to do and what our goals are and that kind of thing is much more effective than just saying we don't need this and we don't need that because it's like we have more than enough food in this country to feed every single person. We Nobody do. should be hungry, yet somehow we don't do it. Mm-hmm. So some of like, it, it, so it's easy to be like, well, we don't need to spend any more government money doing this, and we need to cut this off, and we need because that's the that's the easy way people can just that are not in that position can look at it and be like, mm, that's not going to work because mm-hmm. they're not living that. So I just hope that in your research, Mr. Ben Carson, and with the work of the people around you, that you actually really assess changes that can be made that are actually going to be more effective and not just flip us back to like 1982 and then we'll end up in 15 years in the exact same position that we're in now trying to switch it again like we need to figure out something that works because there's enough resources in this country that people should not have to be hungry or homeless Mm -hmm. that's true period honestly the amount Mm -hmm. of food that gets thrown away is ridiculous Yeah, and there's so much red tape. You know, I, I was uh, I was at a Gelson's, just this random quick store. I was at a Gelson's, and you know they were they were throwing out the daily fresh soups that they make on the yeah. day, and they were throwing them out. And I I spent a lot of time working in food and bev throughout the course of my life, and so I understand some of the rules of the health department. Yeah. And a friend of mine I was with says, why why are they giving that to the homeless people? Because it's a liability. It's a liability. Yeah. Because be if sued. you give if Gelson's gives away food to a homeless person and it makes them sick, yeah. right? Then they can, they can be sued. They can be sued. They're held yeah. they're held accountable. And and there's a liability it's, there. It's tragic. So there's so much red tape. Like, there's a lot of red tape. Well, it's like uh, I was volunteering one time for the ho- a homeless shelter, and I was talking to a, a gentleman who was saying he couldn't find a job, and he was saying how he was getting criticized by a lot of people because he couldn't mm-hmm. find a job. And people, he said people would say, why don't you apply to McDonald's? Why don't you go to a fast food restaurant? And he's like, I can't apply anywhere that will accept me without an address. Without an address. And, it, and you know, when you put it in that perspective, it's, it's always easy to think, like, well, why don't you do this, or why don't you and do that? And then even now, like, I mean, we got to be real. Like, yeah, I could apply at McDonald's, and yeah, I could probably work there but can I actually afford to live based on working at McDonald's probably not not in the not in where we're at right now in this country so I just that's why I say like we really have to 
be mindful and thoughtful about how we're doing stuff and not just about cutting. And believe me, I would love less taxes. And I do think me they are squandering too. money in all kinds of ways that Absolutely. they don't need to. Mm-hmm. But I think we are not thoughtful enough about how to shift things around and try to actually achieve some goals that are going to actually be achievable. People are making $69 million. Yeah. It's sort of heartbreaking. You can buy a lot of lemonade with that. You, know? you can buy a lot, a lot of Beyonce's <laughs> box sets. Honey, you can, you can buy Beyonce for that. You, can, you know, they went to the tour. <laughs> you can buy Beyonce, Jay-Z, Baby Blue, everybody up in your house for that one. For $69 million, you might just get blue. You might just get blue, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Uh, or maybe the, tw- maybe the twins. <laughs> you so get Jay-Z's You nose. might get the blue and the twins. You may, blue and the twins, that's it. Blue well, I don't know. I think, I think Momar Gaddafi had her perform once, so, I mean, you could definitely get her to come in and play. <laughs> There's a difference between the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> money gets you anywhere. Money gets you anywhere. <laughs> all true. right. That's all you have for us today, Courtney that Stewart. That is all. All right. Well, we're going to move on to our EUR Web Story Spotlight. EUR Web Story. Josh, do that in for a finish. Do that again, Josh. I, I still love it when I hear it. Give me that beat. EUR Web Story. Should be the GOP right now. Well, with the whole Star Wars thing today, it's perfect music for it, right? What well, shoot, it feels like we living in Star Wars. I'm going to have to get a saber and stab somebody. Okay. Right. Well, somebody um, who was making the headlines this week, excuse me, I'm a little bit nasally after this cold I had. Um, you Jimmy still got it with your hands just flailing all over? I don't have the cold anymore. Sorry. <laughs> I haven't had the cold in a week. It's just the nasally part David's that I got. David's the best. You're not going to get sick because I ain't even sick. So you're not going to get sick. All right, but... Um, Jimmy Kimmel, he was, I don't know if you guys saw his show this week. Uh, actually, there wasn't, a dry, there wasn't a, a dry in the house after he gave a 30-minute monologue about his son who was born on April 21st, mm-hmm. and his son was born with some difficulties. Um, and basically, Jimmy revealed how his son had a serious heart condition and had to undergo an emergency surgery, and it was really touch and go there for him. And what came out of this speech after this emotional speech, I mean, Jimmy was crying and just, you know, literally just really expressed his 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 uh, love and, and, and motivation towards a better health policy system that's in the United States. Well, this is, I'll show you a little clip, actually, so we can get an idea of what Jimmy particularly said about this. proposed a $6 billion cut in funding to the National Institute of Health. And thank God our congressman uh, made a deal last night to not go along with that. They actually increased funding by $2 billion, and I applaud them for doing that. Because... More than, more than 40% of the people who would have been affected by those cuts to the National Institute of Health are children, and it, it would have a major impact on a lot of great places, including Children's Hospital in Los Angeles, which is so unbelievably sad to me. We were brought up to believe that we live in the greatest country in the world, but in, until what, a few years ago, millions and millions of us had no access to health insurance at all. You know, before 2014, if you were born with congenital heart disease like my son was, there was a good chance you'd never be able to get health insurance because you had a pre-existing condition. You were born with a pre-existing condition. If your parents didn't have medical insurance, you might not live long enough to even get denied because of a pre-existing condition. If your baby is going to die, and it doesn't have to, it, it shouldn't matter how much money you make. I think that's something that, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or something else, we all agree on that, right? I mean, we do. That's just a clip. You can find the full monologue online, but you can see he was even getting choked up there at the end of that that monologue. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have responded to that because we obviously know Jimmy Kimmel, late night talk show or TV host. And, you know, we used to see the him not make such a political stance about certain issues and for him to be so close to home with it and then to deliver that a lot of responses have come out of that he's gotten a lot of praise for this one of the people who did praise him was former president obama who actually tweeted about this and this is what he said in his tweet well said jimmy that's exactly why we fought so hard for the aca and why we need to protect it for kids like billy which is which is jimmy's son and congratulations um now the white house came back with a statement as well white house Press Secretary Sean Spicer reacted to Jimmy Kimmel's monologue as well. He said, We've got a healthcare system that's not doing what it's supposed to. Spicer said in response to a question about Kimmel's comments, because a reporter had asked him during a press, a press junket, he said, It's failing, it's costing too much money, and what the president is trying to do by working with these 
members of Congress is to make sure we have the strongest possible health care system that covers Americans. That gives them the care that they need, that allows them to go see a doctor, that covers pre-existing conditions, and does so so many things that's not that's out of the range and unaffordable for most Americans. What do you guys think about that response <coughs> in conjunction uh, with well, what we're doing? I don't believe anything that Spicy says. He is I don't believe anything that Trumpy says. Um, spicy. I, I'm just. I, look, this is this is a list. Snow White in the seven. Spicy and Trumpy. Uh, there's a, this is a list of things, pre-existing conditions that are not covered under Trump Care. They're in alphabetical order, and I can't even count how many there are. So you know, AIDS, um, addiction, acid reflux, anxiety, blood clot, breast cancer, bulimia, colon cancer, colon polyps, depression, diabetes, Down syndrome. Epilepsy, gout, heart disease, heart heart murmurs, kidney stones, leukemia, lung cancer, lymphoma, pacemaker, osteoporosis, paralysis, seizures, skin cancer, sleep apnea, and it goes on and on and on. I mean, that's like. I mean, this is what people that people get. That's why anxiety, anxiety, depression, like it's it's. It's the most unsettling thing. Like, it, it, obviously, it passed today. Yeah. If, for yeah. those that y'all don't know, it, it oh, passed by three now. votes, three or four votes. Three or four, yeah. um, and I, I <laughs> we knew it was coming, but I was disgusted because they did their um, press conference afterwards, yeah. and Trump literally said, "Oh my God, I just said his name, Cheetos." Um, anyway, he just he literally said. We've been working on this for eight weeks. It took Obama two years, two years, and it took Hillary Clinton all that time, and she didn't get anything done. And we did this in, like, eight weeks. And all I could think, because they followed up with, jeez, um, I meant to, I was driving, so I couldn't write down the name of who they were speaking to. Um, but I think it was one of the representatives, and they were talking about how there was not enough due diligence done to really understand Who's affected, how many people are going to be affected, and what those effects actually are going to look like financially completely. They have a general sort of picture idea, whatever, but they don't have, they did not study it. it, it it's no. been eight weeks. Like, they didn't study it and really understand, like, what a shift this is going to be. And like I said, I posted today, I was like, I, I don't know all the answers and I don't have whatever, but what I do know is that healthcare cannot be successful from what I've seen and what I understand of economics as a capitalistic venture because the point of capitalism is to make a profit and health insurance and profit don't work hand in hand if you're actually trying to do what health insurance is supposed to do it's just uh, it, it doesn't follow the standards of basic economics and the fact that we still want to pretend like oh you just need to regulate the healthcare companies but no because in the end the healthcare companies are seeking profit not seeking healing or right. protection that's for people not right. that's not their goal and 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 we can't fault them no. because that's the it's system we have set a, up it's a business meant to make money and therefore they have to do what it takes to make money it does not it doesn't help them to help sick people because sick people cost them money so the the most basic principles of economics tell you that it's not going to work right. so i just don't understand for the life of me why as a country we are still sitting on this well we'll make they'll figure it out like the free market no the free market doesn't work we've seen it it does not work cuz it doesn't make basic sense so i'm i'm appalled on so many levels by all of it and i can't it's upsetting, and I can speak about it because I'm definitely directly affected because I do not have an employer's insurance. I buy my own insurance on the free market as, as an I. individual. As I'm not I. even, as I don't do. have enough hours Most in SAG to even get the union group yeah. plan. So <laughs> I bought my own thing. I was one of the people that couldn't go to my doctor anymore under Obamacare. I was one of those people that my plan increased by like 40% or something starting I, this yeah. year. Like, I know what that's like. And did it feel good? No. Did I think it was all perfect? Absolutely not. Did it need fixing? Absolutely. But to rip it away and leave people hanging out that have asthma, my my godson has a freaking autism and that's going to become an issue in the future. Like it's absurd and it's disgusting that we made it, that they think that that is something to celebrate at this point in time. I'm done. Yeah, I remember. I Mike was, dropped, I, actually. I, you know, <laughs> I we are conceivably one of the most powerful nations on the planet. Yes. One of the richest, not one of the greatest, but one of the richest. Yes. I'm from Brazil. I'm a Brazilian now. I have a Brazilian passport. I went to Brazil with my friend Greg, an American citizen. We were there for carnival. He took it upon himself to climb some rocks. All right, bad idea. He fractured two toes, complete breaks. During the peak of carnival, went to an emergency room. He got x rays, 
saw a surgeon, saw two doctors in the peak of carnival. We were in and out of the emergency room in a matter of three hours. He was bandaged, cast, and was given instructions on what to do. And he got on a plane and went back and took care of it. It didn't cost him a penny mm. in Brazil. Didn't cost him a penny. It's like going. I, I have a picture of the x-ray in my phone. And why can't we figure that out in the United States of America? That's great. No, I mean, they can figure it out. We were they stunned. doing it. Well, right. the that's the thing. They, that's what they also know. is bothersome. They can figure it out. They don't want to because it is not financially that's viable why. and positive for the people that it is already for. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and what's sad about it, too, is like, us who do pay for insurance, or not, an employee does not pay for it, there are so many things now that I, I can't even do. If it's not my network or if it's not this or that, I can't even go to the doctor and see these certain things, yeah. you know? So it's like, what, what's the point? Like, why are we paying all these high rates at that, too, you know? And they're like, oh, it'll drop rates. Yes, it's going to drop rates for people that are healthy and fine and have had yeah. nothing happen you, you, to yeah, them. Yeah, if you never go to the doctor. If you don't go have yeah. to, and that's, you know, 18 to 25 years old for the most part. Like, mm-hmm. great, congratulations, that's who you've helped out. Like, now I might go blind because I can't go to my... <laughs> and that's not a joke. Like, I have a pre-existing condition. I was 21 and almost lost my eyesight, had surgery. That's a pre-existing condition now. So if I need to have surgery again, which is very likely based on what happened to me, I can't get insurance for it. Like, it makes no sense. Once again, we got to go to Canada. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. I just don't just understand. Or Brazil, apparently, or which Brazil, I ain't mad yeah. at. Yeah. Wait, uh, carnival hours. Right. Yeah. It's right. shameful. I don't know. It's I mean, embarrassing. It is. And, and the thing is, I just don't even know how it's going to reconstruct itself right now. I don't see. I don't either. I don't even have any hope for it. Literally, they didn't like come and be like, you know what? We, I know it sounds rough, but like this pre-existing condition thing, which seemed to be something that everybody was on the same side of, like we need to protect that. And they didn't come and say, yes, we have a great plan. This is what it is for those people. They literally said, we gonna basically corral them all in a pool and let it get figured out some kind of way. So basically what you're saying is you're doing exactly what already existed, which is what we were trying to get rid of to begin with. And you haven't said exactly how you're going to fix it so those people don't get taken advantage of. Yeah. You've said nothing. Scary. It's very scary. Legislature stamped by Mr. Executive Order. Yes. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Y'all. Here we go. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. That's what Vote in it's already Any radical change, it gets worse before it gets better. Vote in 2018. Well, I, we were in hopes it was going to get better, so it had gotten better for a second, and then it's like, now we have, what, four more years of this, and then and then the after effects of that? Yep, the concussion. Like My said. fellow Americans. <laughs> you missed me yet? Right. Oh, and they Honestly, were so smug point, and gross. Paul Ryan and Cheetos, and they were all just up on stage. Take away their insurance. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wasn't there, I'm not going to speak on that, because I'm not sure about the facts. I'll bring that up later. Because there was something about a little caveat that wouldn't affect Congress's insurance and I didn't get to read the article on They're it, exempt so. from it. I don't know. Oh, they're, they're exempt, exempt from, from it. it. They're, they're exempt. exempt from it. Well, see, I didn't read the whole article so I didn't want to say that outright but I was yeah. pretty sure that's what it was. Well, there you go. All right. Well, someone else who has been making her rounds this week is uh, Hillary Clinton and she's been getting a little bit of uh, slack about some of the things that she said. She was sitting down with CNN at the Women for Women International event in New York <laughs> and she basically was saying why she did not, she revealed why she did not win the presidential election. Here's a clip of it. It wasn't a perfect campaign. There is no such thing. Um, but I was on the way to winning until the combination of Jim Comey's letter on October 28th and Russian WikiLeaks raised doubts in the minds of people who were inclined to vote for me but got scared off. And the evidence for that intervening uh, event is, I think, um, compelling, persuasive. Uh, And so we overcame a lot in the campaign. We overcame an enormous uh, uh, barrage of negativity, of false equivalency, and so much else. Um, but as Nate Silver, who I, you know doesn't work for me, he's an independent uh, analyst, but one considered to be uh, very reliable, you know, has concluded, you know, if the election been on October 27th, I'd be your president, and it wasn't. It was on October 28th, and there was just a lot of funny business going on around that. And ask yourself this: within an hour or two of the Hollywood Access tape being made public, the Russian 
theft of John Podesta's emails hit WikiLeaks. What a coincidence. So, I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. So, did we make mistakes? Of course we did. Did I make mistakes? Oh my gosh, yes, you know, you'll read my confession and my, <laughs> my request for absolution. <laughs> but the reason why I believe we lost were the intervening events in the last 10 days. And I think you can see I was leading in the early vote. I had a very strong, and not just our polling and, and data analysis, but a very strong um, assessment going on across the country about where I was uh, in terms of, you know, the necessary both votes and electoral votes. So that's a clip of her um, speaking. And, you know, this has caused a, a little bit of a debate back and forth with people because some people say that she still didn't take responsibility for why she officially lost. Um, and then some well, people are saying... too, because the title says that, and it's like, I mean, y'all are really kind of drawing that conclusion. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, because, for example, like some people said she didn't do her proper groundwork in states like Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, which were could have helped her you know, take on the presidency. And then some people are saying also that because of, um, you know, her vice president choice and and uh, her her um, view on the foreign policy, which many people thought was horrible, that that all also things where she didn't take kind of like ownership for that, especially when she was speaking to this audience at the at the event in New York. What do you guys think about what she said and just in general about uh, the back and forth with, with her winning the, not winning the election? I mean, I understand why people were sort of irritated, because when I watched, I think I saw most of the interview. I don't want to assume it was the whole interview. Um, but it, 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 she clearly, like, out the gate said Russia and First thing Comey. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't, she, there wasn't immediate ownership. So I understand why that sort of bothers people. But at the same time, I sort of agree with her, so I'm not that... Um, taken aback by it, but I just think it would have been a better look had she said initially, obviously I have responsibility in it. Because as a candidate, she was she wasn't soaring past Trump. Like no. she she was doing well and she was working out, but uh, believe but she me, won three more million votes than Trump did overall. of the popular vote, yeah. yes. But you're a politician and you're yeah. well seasoned and you know the popular vote doesn't win you the election. True. So your people and you know the work that you needed to do to get the electoral college and you weren't necessarily doing enough of that work in those places. And that's really why you lost the election. So you lost, you won the. Technically, you just negated your own um, argument yeah. because you won mo the hearts and minds of people because you won the popular vote. So, yes, the Comey letter was a problem and you wish more people had voted for you because of it and all of that. But technically, the people voted for you and right. you won that. You didn't get the You didn't get the Electoral College, so you didn't do the politics of right. it. So I, I, that, that's what I mean, I get it like either way. But uh, and in the end, Hillary wasn't the least controversial candidate to have run. Like, I personally think she was the most qualified, and that's why she was the most controversial, because she's actually done the most in government of any president mm -hmm. that we've ever had. Absolutely. So More. she was open, it was open season on her for thing, everything she's done in her entire career. Um, so, but I understand why people feel like she should have just owned her own responsibility first. Yeah. And then, yes, I mean, we're not ridiculous and stupid. We like, we know yeah. all that other stuff came out, and it, I don't believe it was a coincidence that the WikiLeaks dropped when they mm -hmm. did, and Absolutely that kind of thing. Not. Like, it was yeah. a Coincidence. So, I mean, it's fair game, but at the same time, she didn't quite own up. I mean, listen, it all, they all play dirty regardless, you know what I mean? So, she's not innocent, but neither is anyone else. So, I just feel like, I agree with you. I think that she should, if she had come off from the bat, just kind of admitting or owning it a little bit more versus kind of, it felt like it was passing blame. Even though I love her, uh, I think that people would have reacted a little bit differently from that. I mean, what about you? Sure, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting view at just how fickle American audiences and global yeah. audiences alike are and have become. Yeah. And that, um, you know, you can be a, a tsunami of motivation, but a small twig of negativity will break that wave yeah. Yeah. and you will shatter at the sand and there's nothing left of you. Because nobody is interested in the good things that you're doing. They're only looking for your demise. True. And with Hillary Clinton, I mean, she was exactly what the establishment wanted her to be on the Democratic side, which I think was part of the exhaustion of the American public yeah. because she wasn't doing 
on the left side of the aisle what Donald Trump was doing on the right, right side of the mm-hmm. aisle, which is being the radical, postured, uh, abrasive, bravado sort of I'm going to win, was he which, Ber- which Bernie Sanders was doing for no. the left side of the aisle. Yes. Yeah, he, yeah, he was postured. He, 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 for, he was he, postured. For his only Very postured. Okay. Yes. He didn't know. The, Clearly uh, postured. Very postured. I mean, he came in and said, I'm doing it my way and I'm going to fucking steal this. I'm going to steal this war. Yeah. And, and, and she remained very establishment, which um, I think yeah. against Donald Trump made her a very neutral candidate. Yes. America wasn't looking for neutrality, which is why Bernie had what he had. But the establishment didn't want to get behind Bernie. And which is why America leaned towards Trump, because they were yeah. tired of the neutral candidate. This is true. It's true. And, and, the buck, and the buck does stop at the candidate. It does. It does. There are variables that are always out of my control. Me as a producer, if if I schedule a film and it rains for four days and I suddenly got to book the soundstage for two more days and I go over budget because of the rain, I can't blame God. Right. <laughs> exactly. My investors are looking at me. I'm the producer. The buck right. stops with me. Yeah, you're right. So if I got to go back and ask you for another hundred grand to make this movie, it's my fault. Yeah. Exactly. And she's been doing this for so long that it's like... You know, you knew how to attack this, and then to see this type of an interview, it's just kind of like it sounded a little bitter esque at the top. I don't blame her. No, I mean, I get it. I get it, and I really want to hear that confession. I want to read that book. I mean, look how long it took her to just be public. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm like, yeah. props to you for even being able to sit there and talk about it yet, because I don't think I'd be ready to talk about it's it yet. Know, Especially as a woman. She's been a woman working in this business. From Jump Street, and was like 1972 or whatever, like yeah. busting her butt she in an industry that is not friendly to women anymore than anywhere else. Especially when she started. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm just like, girl, I would have. And you got lost to, to cheat tr- Yeah, to cheat That is like the everybody. clearest form. That is like the clearest display of ignorance that has ever existed in our freaking culture. And that's what everybody went for. Yeah. And I. I and day to day, she's got to watch these. She got to watch it every day. Policy changes, and, and she's you know. Well, she is in the process of writing a book to reflect her 2016 loss, so I'm sure she's going to give a lot well, more details. A lot of I may have to pick that up. a lot of money off that one. I'm going to pick that up and read it. I ain't going to lie to you. All right. Well, that concludes our show today. David, once again, you got your new movie coming out. You can't hear me. Excuse me. Yeah. You can't hear me because I'm basically. <laughs> you can't hear me, and uh, they, people can find it on Huffington and, and. Yeah, yeah, Huffington Post and Black Voices Huffington Post. Uh, they, like I said, they distribute it. So, uh, Facebook Huffington Post Black Voices, or you can just go on YouTube. You can just search "You Can't Hear Me," David Bianchi, or "You Can't Hear Me," Malcolm Jamal Warner. It's a really, really powerful piece of work. We really need you know Excellent. our audience, our Black Hollywood Live audience, to look at it, get inspired by it, share it, to continue to motivate and inspire our base that we have power. Yeah. In our hands, because we need to start instigating change for, as you said, the next election cycle. So yes. let's start now. It let's not quit. Now. I think you have a life in politics, man. Yeah, I'm just man. Serious. I You're got like Tony I'm, Robbins. I'm too fucking smeared. I can't work in politics. <laughs> well, we've learned. I, I, can, I can go with Tony Robbins potentially when I'm not going I'm not running for office. <laughs> we'll see. You heard it first on Black Hollywood Live when he that starts running. That means he's running for office. Right. That, 2018, you versus Kanye. Exactly. And then, per- and then personally, where can people find you outside of? Um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, at David Bianchi Twitter uh, D Bianchi Sag on Instagram um, just David B-I-A-N-C-H-I Bianchi I'm, I'm pretty easy to find okay. thank you Courtney you can find me everywhere at Stuart Starlet crying in my coffee cup and Jesse <laughs> J Jesse J and you can find me at Daryl Kristen on Twitter Instagram and Facebook thank you for joining in this week and we will see you next time peace from executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Christian, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host owner and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.